You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Bunch of this did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Shane. We got some uh, good games here coming up this weekend. Getting fired up for another weekend of football, obviously. Things are getting heated up here. We got some good clips here for this show. It's going to be a good one, Shane. But before we go around the league, wanted to hit you with this for anybody that didn't see it. Of course, Alabama fans, this, this is right up their alley, but not just Alabama fans, Shane. I think uh, all true football fans are going to appreciate this one. HBO is coming out with a documentary <laughs> featuring Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Uh, let's jump to the preview. They, they've released a short clip here, so it's not very long here, but we're going to play it. Obviously, there's a video. Maybe we'll share the video on the Reddit page, but I just thought the SEC fans would appreciate this. And then he says, by the way, Dad, how many headsets did you break this year? <laughs> we go back a long ways, and we had experiences that we both kind of learned from. In a retrospect, it might have been better for us had we lost one somewhere along the way. But when you get to the top of the mountain, you become the mountain. All right, Shane, so this thing's called Bilicek and Saban, The Art of Coaching. And it looks like uh, they really kind of got in with these guys, got into their personality, not just coaching, but kind of what makes these guys tick. And it's going to come out December 10th on HBO. What are your thoughts uh, when you viewed this little trailer? I love it, Mike. I love it. Seeing these two grumpy old ass men together, I think it's going to be fantastic. You know, the, the audio doesn't do it justice. If you watch the video, there was a moment when Bill Belichick grabs Saban and like squeezes his head and rubs the top. Like, name one other man in the world that can do that to Nick Saban. Well, it's Bill Belichick. So I think this is going to be an awesome, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, and I just think that anytime you get an opportunity to get two guys like this uh, at the top of their sport, even if you don't care for them personally or their teams, it's just always kind of cool to get a w window into because – you know, we really are seeing greatness here. I, I mean, everybody yeah. knows that. So kind of getting to experience it while 
I mean, wouldn't it been awesome, Shane, to watch UCLA teams under John Wooden and all this stuff and yeah. the old Celtics? You know, even if you're not fans of those teams, it would have been cool to see that. And we're seeing it right now with Alabama and New England. So I just, I just really am looking forward to this thing. Absolutely. And I think about it, all the Paul Bear Bryant stories you hear and, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? This is, we're growing, we're in an era right now that is going to be unmatched for a long time. And who knows, 40 years from now, 30 years from now, there may be a coach in the NFL or, or college football that takes off and wins several national championships in a row. And, and we're going to say, you know what? He's good, but he was no Saban. You know what I'm saying? So we're part of that. And, uh, you know, obviously, I wish he was a coach for my team, but, you know, at least I could say I, I got to see it firsthand. All right, Shane, so we got a lot of good stuff to get to here. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. Around the league. We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. I'll reply, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other or every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean. This game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC, so I man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, lunch bell, let's get to work. All right, Shane, so kind of like we did on the last episode, if you missed it, go back and listen to that one. We really uh, took a deep dive here on Texas A&M and Clemson, their upcoming trip. And now that we got Coach O's comments, some of his player comments, we're going to do the same for the other big non-conference game of the week here, LSU at Texas. Two top 10 teams here. It's going to be a really good matchup, Shane. Let's start here with Coach O, Shane, where he's talking about the fact that, uh, you know, the Tigers in the last couple of years, Shane, they've been they've been in some big games, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they've been in a big non-conference one quite this big. I know the, uh, what was it, the Fiesta Bowl against UCF. That was a pretty big game, but yeah, this is a different level here, Shane, because while LSU, obviously a top 10 team at this point, still a lot of people kind of reserving judgment on this offense, reserving judgment on this team, they go to Texas and get a win. Uh, I, there's no doubt that they're a, a legitimate playoff contender if they can do that. So let's jump to Coach O talking about this Texas game and talking about the Texas quarterback, Sam Etlinger. He gives a comp for that guy. And uh, he also talks about Joe Burrow and the improvements that that guy's made from one year's time. Coach, where do you think the maturity of your team is in terms of handling everyone telling them they played an amazing game this yep. past week? And yep. like last year when we lost to Florida, you played your best game maybe right. the next week against right. Georgia. How do they handle <coughs> You know, we, we've got to tell them Saturday. You know, I, I, I don't expect them to play well. This is a mature team. Uh, the way they were acting yesterday was not getting it was a day off for them. We've had to tell the truth Monday that they handled the film very well. Uh, we had one of our best Monday practice we ever had. Uh, they know the magnitude of this football game, but again, we're not going to make it bigger than life. Uh, we've been in big games before, but this is a big game, and they know it. Do you have a comp for Sam Ellinger, maybe that you prepared against during your time at LSU or before? 
Can you say that again? Do you have a comp? Does he remind you of anybody, Ellinger, that you've had to prepare for? You know, he reminds me a little bit of Tebow. And uh, I was at uh, another school where we had to play Tebow. And I'm not saying he's as good as Tebow. I'm not saying he's not. But he reminds me of that type of player where he's a better thrower. Coach, can you compare and contrast how much more decisive Joe Burrow was in this season opener as opposed to a, a year ago against Miami? And what does it mean when you're going to a place like this and you've got a guy like that behind center? Yeah, night day. Night day. Confident. Uh, he was on the money. Uh, very well prepared. Uh, the little coach was at the line of scrimmage. He knew where to go. But again, all his receivers catching those balls. There's not many balls dropped. How do you make you have a lot of confidence? All right, Shane, so Coach O, he had a lot of high praise for this Texas team. And, you know, obviously I didn't watch their game uh, last weekend until here recently. And I, I just watched a little 12-minute clip on, on basically just all the big plays and kind of get a feel for it. They really did look pretty good. I know they were playing Louisiana Tech, so it's kind of hard to judge. But they were up 31-0 late in the third quarter. They were controlling that game. I mean, make no mistake, I don't know if Texas is a top-10 team, but LSU's got their hands full going into Austin here, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, compared him to Tim Tebow, you know, except he can throw. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a stab at old Tebow there, but, uh, you know, I, that's kind of what I saw when I saw him. You know, he's a bigger quarterback that's not afraid to run. And, uh, you know, granted, both of these teams didn't play – a tough opponent week one and they both handled their business. So I think they should be prepared. Just one of these teams is going to be overlooking the other. And I, I think, you know, and I honestly think it's going to be Texas. I just think that uh, LSU just has too many pieces for them. Mm-hmm. And how about this Shane? I've kind of hit on this. I think when I really started to kind of lean into this, although I, I mean, I was impressed with Joe Burrow last season, particularly his last month of the season. It seemed like he really got into a groove there but it just seems like he's finally found his rhythm there in this new offense. I mean, this is what he's accustomed to playing. Scored five touchdowns, obviously, in the first half against uh, Georgia Southern, LSU record. And I don't know if you saw this, Shane, but uh, Heisman odds that have been updated since week one, Joe, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow not even on the list. Ooh. And now he's 25-1 to 1 after that first week. So, I mean, there's the odds makers are paying attention to this kid. And I just think it's interesting. I did not think about this, Shane, until here recently. I read uh, it was in The Athletic. Someone wrote about it. It was a really good article. I recommend it to anyone that has an athletic subscription. But Tom Herman, obviously the Texas coach, used to be Ohio State offensive coordinator. He was the one that sold Urban Meyer on Joe Burrow. He saw something in him that Urban didn't see and uh, said basically Urban was sending him all over the country to recruit You know these elite quarterbacks all across the country but mm-hmm. he, he just kept coming back and saying the best the best ones right down the road we need to get this kid in there so he's had a lot of a lot of respect for joe burrow and uh, i think people are starting to finally see you gotta remember last year it was definitely not a quarterback friendly system now mm-hmm. it is now we're finally getting to see joe burrow getting showcased in his arm and and now it'll be really showcased here on national television against texas how big of a game is this for Joe Burrow going into it? Oh, this is it, man. All the lots are on this game. So, you know, a lot of people don't, believe it or not, a lot of people don't know Joe in this league, in this country. They don't know about the LSU quarterback. And so when they get this, everybody's going to be watching this game, though. So 
they're going to come away with one of two reactions. Either he's got it or he doesn't. How does he do under pressure? Is this a is this a playoff contending team, or is this just another LSU squad that's good but not great? You know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. I think this all the lights are going to be on Joe. He's going to be able to showcase, and if they come away with a win, don't be surprised if that number that 25 odds comes down even farther because more people are going to start betting toward that. Mm-hmm. And how about this, Shane, update here on LSU suspensions. Coach O announced that linebacker Michael Divinity, starting left tackle Sadiq Charles, will both be back from suspension. These are, uh, well, Divinity, he may not be fully entrenched as a starter, but he likely is, though. So LSU getting potentially two starters back from suspension. That's also a plus here. LSU's going into this Texas game at full force, and uh, you know, going on the road, you're going to need all the help you can get. Yeah, and probably need him to stop butting his head against the wall too, Mike, just throwing that out there. You know what I'm saying? That's how he gets fired up, Shady. A lot of quarterbacks getting hurt in the locker room these days. We can't have Joe being all busted up before he gets in this game. Last thing here on LSU, Shane, this was of some interesting note, and this is actually not this guy's first comments, but uh, Kelevon Chasson, the outside linebacker there for LSU, was asked about Texas's chances in this game. Chasson is from the state of Texas, so he's got a lot of probably got, knows a ton of Texas fans, but mm-hmm. uh, he's not feeling too good about the Longhorns' chances going into this one. I, it's definitely going to be a good game next week. Obviously, going you know what I'm saying going against people who from from the Texas area. The guys really they really they really strongly believe they're gonna have to have a chance. I don't, but it's you know what I'm saying that's what you're supposed to do. But like I said, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. All right, Shane. So th- these comments back up something he said earlier. I-, I can't recall when it was. I think it was over the weekend. But he was asked about uh, this Etlinger, who Coach O says kind of reminds him of Tebow. Says he says yeah he can run, but hey, you know we're not worried about him throwing the ball. So man, <laughs> this guy's pretty cocky going into this one, isn't he? Absolutely, man. And since this tweet has been deleted, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) So I love it, man. I love deleted tweets, you know, screenshot everything you can while it's out there. These guys are wanting to, they're wanting to bite each other. They're wanting to fight so bad. You could just feel it. It's just oozing out in these little press conferences. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane. So we typically don't have, you know, the non-conference coaches here on the show, but because it's such a big game, we got some uh, Tom Herman comments here I thought was particularly interesting. Uh, here's Tom Herman talking about Joe Burrow. And then Herman also, this is just kind of funny, talking about Coach O and his crazy accent. And what are your thoughts on Joe Burrow and the need to put a little bit of pressure on him? He had a big game Saturday. Did he ever? Yeah, I mean, played a half and completed, what, a pass to 14 different receivers and four or five touchdowns or something like that. I mean... What are my thoughts? I love Joe. I mean, I, I recruited him. I got to know his family. Um, he's a coach's kid. You know, his dad's the defense coordinator at Ohio University. Um, uh, he reminds me a lot of our guy. You know, he's he's physically, mentally tough. He's uber competitive. He's a leader amongst leaders. Uh, so to to say you got to pressure him, yeah. I mean, as with any good quarterback, uh, you do, but. You know, we got DB coaches that are saying, "Well, hang on, let's can we can we cover him every now and again too, and 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 give my guy some help." So you've got to vary the looks. I, I don't think you can, you know, just 
say we're going to dial a blitz up every snap and, and say we're, we're good enough to hold up in the back end, especially as, as smart as Joey is in terms of you know, knowing where his issues are and where his matchups are. You know, we, we, we definitely know how intelligent he is and, and be cautious with, with how we approach that. Coach, do you have a relationship with Ed Orgeron, and can you speak his language? <laughs> <laughs> not, not really. I mean, we're cordial. I, I mean, I, I don't know that you know. We've talked on the phone or gone out to dinner. I know that, but um, when we see each other, and, and, you know, it's hey, how you doing? Catching up, all that stuff. And I don't know. I he is. Um, you. It is unique, his language, certainly. All right, Shane. So, <laughs> it, you know, in so many ways, this is a, a critical game, but it goes for a little bit deeper level here, if you ask me, for Coach O, because uh, for anyone that's not read it, I highly recommend this article, too. Ross Dellinger put out a uh, recent column here on Sports Illustrated, just breaking down the the saga there that led to Coach O landing this LSU job, and it basically boils down to you know, the fact that LSU was after Tom Herman, and they almost got him. And then Texas, they fired Charlie Strong. And next thing you know, Herman's headed to Texas. Joe Oliva turns around and says, I got my guy. I'm going with Coach O. So mm-hmm. this is, um, you know, on so many levels, Coach O's not trying to make it about him. Tom Herman's not wanting to make it about LSU job and all this. They, they, they don't want, really want to discuss it. But this is another backstory. I mean, Coach O's got something to prove here, I think, to a lot of people that – we're pretty upset when he got this head coaching job. Oh, of course. And I'm a, it's, it's crazy. This game is deep, Mike. I mean, here you got them coming out with the real DBU, Texas coming out with the DBU shirts, and mm-hmm. everybody at LSU saying we're the real DBU. So these guys are getting fired up. They're talking. But then you it, you take it a step further. Here you got Tom and Coach O, and, you know, he tried to act like they're cordial. These guys do not like each other. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's a picture of Tom in Coach O's basement, I guarantee it, and he's punched it a few times. So I think that these guys are not going to leave anything on the field. I think it's, it's all going to come out Saturday. Well, speaking of that DBU thing, Shane, I don't know if you've seen this photo going around, but there's a, a Baton Rouge Mexican restaurant called Zippy's. <laughs> And they got, you know, their little, you know how these restaurants got signs that they can put the specials and everything. Uh, Instead of a special, it says, if Texas is DBU, then we're Ruth's Steakhouse. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So everyone's having fun going into this game. It's going to be a hell of a game, Shane. I can't wait for it. But uh, we got some other topics to hit on. So let's jump on down to South Carolina. Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday, confirmed Jake Bentley's injury. I mean, it's by all indications. He's not saying he's out for the year, but it certainly sounds like he is. Uh, So let's jump to Will Muschamp talking about Jake Bentley's injury, when that happened. Uh, He took kind of a deep dive here on Ryan Helinski, the true freshman that's going to start now for the Gamecocks. Uh, And then lastly, Shane, I thought this was an important note to make. But uh, to carry on Joyner, who's technically, you know, was third string quarterback. Now he's the backup. You know, there was some thought that he would leave after Helinski was named the backup. And uh, I just thought these comments from Muschamp were pretty good. Injury report, Jake Bentley has a midfoot sprain, which is commonly referred to as a Liz Frank. He will be out for an extended period of time. He's still under medical evaluation. 
Uh, I'll know more in the latter part of the week exactly whether he needs surgery. If he needs surgery, it's going to be a season-ending injury. If not, it's six or eight weeks. But, again, I don't want to comment much further than that right now because I don't know a lot more than that until we continue to get another evaluation. But uh, it hurt for Jake, senior year, uh, giving a lot to this program. Outstanding young man, exactly how you want uh, someone to represent the University of South Carolina. And uh, just just hurt for him uh, during this time. Well, when did the injury happen with Jake? I believe it was in the last play of the game. He uh, was on the new side there at the middle of the field and slipped, and that's when you know, generally the Liz Frank comes from someone landing on you or, 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 the, or the, the turf, and he slipped on the side there, and uh, that's when it was hurt. He told Clint he was sore after the game was over. I came in, and well, I was already here. Uh, I spent, stayed here, and then Clint came into my office about 10, 30, 11 in the morning and said, I think there's going to be a, an issue with Jake here. So we got an MRI. Didn't really get the, we didn't get the results back till Sunday night. And uh, that's when they, we realized that, uh, that there was an issue. Well, and going from a senior in Jake to a freshman in Ryan, a quarterback, I mean, what have you seen out of Ryan's leadership uh, to be able to uh, really kind of rally this group around him as he's getting ready to start for the first time? Well, I think that, uh, you know, Ryan does a really good job. He's not a very vocal guy, uh, but, uh, but he has a certain air about him as far as that, that, that position is concerned and that you got to have to be at that position, in my opinion. So, uh, again, Ryan, Ryan will be fine. Our players have a lot of confidence in Ryan, and, and we do as a staff as well. And I think it's most important to what was asked earlier is let's make sure we're doing the things Ryan feels comfortable with, you know, in this first ball game and as we continue to move forward. And uh, certainly DeCarion's role will be, be important as well. I guess when you look at how the situation has fallen with the quarterbacks, what does it say about DeCarion's perspective to kind of stick with stuff, stay part of the program right. in a world where a lot of, you know, quarterbacks leave, you know, stuff changes one week later and all of a sudden you guys kind of need him in that big way. Well, I mean, again, I, I don't want to clump all transfers into one thing because they're all different situations and they all have different perspectives. And uh, the thing that I can tell you about DeCaron, I know he loves the University of South Carolina. He loves being here. He loves his teammates. His teammates love him. And, and uh, you know, I appreciate his character and I appreciate his perseverance through a very difficult time uh, difficult decision for everybody and um, and and I, to- I told him just trust us and and we'll move forward in the right direction and do what's best for you and the team moving forward and let's give us this thing a fall and he's been nothing but great but that's who he is that's how he's been raised that's the type of person he is all right Shane so a lot said there but uh, yeah it doesn't sound good for Bentley it sounds like uh, Will Muschamp's putting all his chips on Ryan Halinski and uh, you know Again, we got it. This is a kind of a reason why, when these quarterback dominoes fall, it's not always the best move to just get up and leave. To carry mm-hmm. on, Joiner is finding that out. You know, he made the right decision, sticking it out with the guys he he knows and loves, and he wants to be a gamecock. Now he may finally get a chance. I don't know. You know, I'm not saying Helinski is going to struggle, but if he does, Joiner is going to be thrown in there. So, and he adds something that uh, Helinski and Jake Bentley don't have with his running ability. So I, I think Joyner made the right decision and just a lot going on here in Columbia. Yeah, no. And you know, a couple of things. I mean, there was a lot to unfold there, but you know, everything I've heard was that, that Bentley broke his foot in the locker room. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, he came out and said it happened on the field and there was a specific play, but somebody said he kicked the locker when he came in, and that's how he broke his foot. So I don't know. I don't know. Take what you will from that. But 
all that matters is we're going to have a new quarterback here. And, and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Helensky. He's a true freshman. Uh, but I don't want to close the door completely like what you were saying on Joyner because Joyner has had some playing time. You know, he's been out there on the field before. And and if they do come out to Helensky, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a – like a 85-15 split, you know. There's going to be some wildcats where Joyner comes in there and he can do some RPO options. So right. uh, he's going to have plenty of time to showcase what he can do. And then, I mean, we're going against – I mean, going against Alabama, Mike, you know. I think we're going to know real quick who the starting quarterback is going forward. Now, also, I wanted to add another clip here because it was kind of so important, I thought. Will Muschamp asked about Gamecock fans basically losing faith in him after losing this North Carolina game. I'm sure there are there are plenty that have done that. Not to say Will Muschamp can't earn these people back. I certainly think he can, but it's it's an uphill climb for some of these folks. I mean, it's it's been very vocal. Fire Will Muschamp is trending on <laughs> Sunday. So uh, let's jump to Will Muschamp and uh, his thoughts on. Uh, potentially losing some of the fan base here with that opening season loss. You know what? We're pissed off too. As coaches, as staffs, we're in a little bit of a bunker mentality. I could, you know, I don't read your articles and podcasts or whatever you do. So at the end of the day, it's about what do we need to do to win? And let's try and rally to win games. And that's what we're going to do as a staff. And that's what we're going to do as a, as a team. And what we're going to do as an organization. So help us win games. That's that. That would be my message. Let's go help us win some football games, and that's what we plan on doing. All right, Shane. So you hear Muschamp there, pretty defiant in his comments there. That you know, this is kind of typical. Coaches, you know, if they're reading the message boards and whatnot, reading Twitter, the team's got bigger issues than I thought. And mm-hmm. I know Muschamp's not one to go out there and do all that, but I say all that to get to this because I think, in a roundabout way, you bring it back to Jake Bentley, you bring it to Ryan Holinsky. Will Muschamp has been so tied at the hip with Jake Bentley for so long. Yep. There is speculation, kind of like you're saying, that, I mean, not only that how Jake Bentley got hurt, some people are suggesting Jake Bentley may not even be hurt, believe it or not, Shane. And this is a way to kind of please all, like, all the crowd, get Helensky in there. Jake Bentley now, you know, he's never redshirted. So mm-hmm. he, can take, he can technically take a redshirt now go a grad transfer route and play somewhere else potentially. And what this move does, because it's clear, I mean, he's what Muschamp's getting asked about it in his pressers about losing the fan base. This kind of is a way to re- hit the reset button. You know, yeah. so many people saying we got the toughest schedule in the nation here in Columbia, South Carolina this year. If he goes out and loses five, six games, they're not. I promise you, they're not going to fire him. If they, now, if they go out and lose every game, they may fire him. But if they lose five or six games, they're going to turn around and say, especially if Helensky shows a lot of promise, they're going to say, "We got a mm-hmm. freshman to build around. We were playing the nation's toughest schedule." Uh, I think people will, not that they'll be okay with that, but they'll understand it a lot more yeah. than if they were playing Jake Bentley and they were losing all these games and he was struggling and they're like, why in the hell are we not playing this freshman that could save us? (laughs) You know, he may, he may pull a magical game out of his hat and and upset a team or two. So I think this, uh, this potentially, if Holinsky is as good as they say he is, if he matures on the field and shows something, I think there's, there's a chance here that this is a, a really good move for South Carolina and for Will Muschamp. That's it, man. 
fans have got to have something to look forward to. You know, when Coach O first took over, it they weren't they were not happy with the product he put on the field, but they were happy with the recruits that were coming in. You know, again, something to look forward to. Auburn, I'm burying Gus. You know, just five weeks ago, it, this he's out. There's no. And then you talk to a lot of Auburn fans. They're, they're, they're walking with a little pep in their step because now they've got a freshman quarterback that is, be, in their minds, the best since Cam Newton. You know, so mm-hmm. if Helensky comes out and he, like you said, shows potential that he is a, a gamer, that he is going to change the environment there at South Carolina, then these fans are going to rally behind him and they're going to give him us champ time because they know that the future is bright. Absolutely, Shane. All right, let's jump on down to Athens, Shane. Kirby Smart met with the media here recently, talked about uh, his team's performance there against Vanderbilt. You know, they controlled this game from the onset. They didn't finish as well as they had liked, but, hell, Shane, if if you're complaining about 30-6 to road SEC wins, you you got a pretty good program here. That's what Kirby Smart's got. Uh, so he was asked in his post-game presser about the potential of his team to improve. And uh, I thought this other note was pretty interesting. Is kind of, uh, this is what Nick Saban has, and now this, this is what Kirby Smart's got in Athens, where he's got these elite players that play at a high level, but when they're not putting up PlayStation numbers, they're, they're not satisfied. They're, they look at what they did wrong more than what they did right. And I think that's exactly what, how Kirby wants his team uh, heading into uh, a, a big season here. Well, we got to improve in every area. I mean, we're, 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 and there's not an area that we're like comfortable. I don't think we're comfortable anywhere. I mean, you you can say, well, we scored the opening drive. Are we comfortable there? No. I mean, we're not comfortable there. There's things we didn't execute well. Uh, blocking on the perimeter. We had some good blocks on the perimeter. We had some missed blocks on the perimeter. Um, tackling. We had some really good tackles. And then we had some really terrible tackling. So, I mean, there's not really anywhere. I think that you got to be careful how much you delve into one game uh, when we got an opportunity to go out to practice today and get better at everything we didn't do well, including the things we did do well. After Saturday's game, Swift, I was talking to him, and he said he felt like he left some plays out there. You know, 147 yards, I think it was like nine yards, but Barry still wasn't happy, not satisfied at all. Is that you're perfect or that you play a perfect game it doesn't exist again we're in pursuit of excellence not not perfection i wouldn't think he that he would say he played excellent i mean go back and watch some of those runs i don't think he got touched for the first 10 to 15 yards and some of that's charlie warner and solomon kinley and ben cleveland and and then when he makes guys miss i think that's where he measures his skill set he made a lot of people miss but there's probably some opportunities in there where he could have made a different cut got more yards um could have made a maybe make a couple guys miss and that's a great competitor to me is trying to figure out what i can do better to help the team not look at me i had nine yards of carry how could it have been 11. all right shane so kirby He's seeing room for improvement. That's what DeAndre Swift is also seeing, despite his big performance here in the opener. Could have been even bigger. Thoughts on uh, how Kirby's got his team in the right mindset here? He's right, man. You know, when he's talking, it it reminds me, there was a segment where uh, Nick Saban was talking to Charles Barkley in a stadium, and 
Barkley asked him, you know, you're at the top. This is after they won a national championship. What may, what motivates you? What motivates your team? And, and Saban's like, you, you can't get complacent. You know, you can never just say you made it, you know, and this is something that Kirby talked about just a couple of weeks. If you feel like you've made it, then you might as well retire because you've got to keep on working. And I think that's the biggest thing that could shoot Georgia in the foot is complacency because they're going to have a lot of easy teams on their schedule. And if they're not just keep striving per, for perfection and, and put up these big numbers like he's wanting, then when they do play a team like Alabama or Clemson or whoever, mm-hmm. they're going to get caught off guard and, and they're going to get beat. So kind of like Alabama last year, I think they got complacent. Georgia can't do that. Yeah, definitely not because there's, there's still goals ahead to be reached, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Nick Saban met with the media here recently, and I thought this was pretty interesting. He had some comments here on his offensive line play, in particular the addition of Landon Dickerson. I mean, leave it to Alabama, Shane, to they finally identify a weakness on their roster, offensive line. They pick up a former five-star in the transfer portal, and he looks like their best damn lineman now after just getting to campus. So the rich get richer here. So he talks about that. He talks about uh, why they like to move around so many linemen. And then he was also asked about uh, Tua and his performance in the opener. And, again, Tua, I mean, I think he threw for 336, had like four incompletions and four touchdowns. But same and say he could have been better. <laughs> So what did you see from Landon Dickerson in his first game for you guys? I, I thought he played with a lot of toughness, had a lot of effort out there, um, did a good job for the most part. Um, one of the guys that, you know, we feel competed in the game, you know, like we like. Uh, and um, I'm sure that he would tell you and, you know, his coach would tell you that are there things he could have done better fundamentally? Absolutely. But... We certainly like the competitive character that he played with. And um, like all players, I think there's things that at least we know where we're at now and things that we can imp- work to improve on. We always want to try to get the best guys on the field. So we try to get them experience at various positions early in the season. And that helps you determine what the best combinations of players will be. So when you ask the question, is that how it will be all year? Probably not. Um, will we continue to do it in the short term? Probably. You, you talked off all offseason about, you know, Tua uh, taking what the defense uh, gave him. How pleased were you that he was able to kind of carry out that game plan from start to finish? Well, he did a good job in the, in the game. Uh, there was a couple things that he could have done a little differently uh, from a decision-making standpoint. And... You know, we'll correct those things and hopefully we continue to improve on them. And, um, you know, we were pleased with his performance. And, you know, I think he'd be the first one to say that, you know, we left some money on the table at times if we had made a little different choices or decisions or whatever. But uh, I thought he really, really played well overall. And he'll be the first one to say, I got some things I want to improve on and we want to help him do that. So this is kind of similar to Kirby and DeAndre Swift, Shane. But, uh, you know, I think this is an issue because I don't I don't want to say an issue. They've got plenty of talent. they got plenty of depth there. But I was surprised about how much of a struggle it was to run against Duke. 
and I know they had some running backs suspended for a little bit here, but this is a key moving forward for Alabama. For me, they, they need to get this ground game going, and it starts up front. Yeah, it's, a, it's the offensive line, and they didn't do well the first half, and but they weren't they were kind of one dimensional the first half, you know, when they th- really opened this thing up, that's when they didn't have trouble moving the ball. When you don't have eight or nine in the box, it's a little bit easier to run, you know, that's not a shocker there. So, but as far as the Tua comments, you know, I mean, it's just like every two, I, aren't you getting tired of talking about Tua? It's like the same thing over and over. <laughs> it's like you're nitpicking 1% of his game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Tua, Tua's Tua, and he did what Tua does, and he's going to continue to do things and uh, be impressive, but there's always going to be that 5% that he needs to work on, especially if he plans on taking his game to the next level. Mm-hmm. A final thing here on Alabama, Shane, I just thought this was hilarious. You know, we keep getting, seems like every other presser, Saban's asked something, and he's just, he just seems baffled about how stupid of a question it is. And this is uh, Saban asked about his receivers and their ability to run after the catch here. You had uh, 268 yards after the catch by your receivers. How important is their athleticism and how do you utilize that uh, with, with the short passing? Well, I think we used it in the game. If they got, how many yards did you say they got? Yeah, well, that was how we do it. I mean. <laughs> Saban says he really appreciates the media, Shane. But at times like these, I don't, I don't think there's much appreciation there. Do you? Oh, I love it. I love it. He's like, yeah, sure. If that's what you say, is that is that what we did? All right, cool. We'll keep it up. <laughs> you know, it's like the guy with the stopwatch. You know, talking about two. <laughs> Uh, he does not like stats, you know. I noticed that he's he's just all about winning and winning big. That's it. Mm-hmm. All about the scoreboard with Saban. All right, Shane, sticking in the state of Alabama, let's jump over to Auburn. War damn eagle. Gus Malzahn met with the media here on Tuesday, and this is something that I hit on when we were talking about uh, the line here for Auburn's upcoming game against Tulane. But uh, I think the Tigers, their biggest challenge for this one, obviously they're huge favorites against this team. They should handle their business. Uh, But coming off that big Oregon win, how does this team handle the emotions of that uh, off of obviously just a week turnaround time. And then also, I thought this was kind of interesting. Gus talked about the fact that, uh, you know, they did a lot of things wrong in this game, but they still found a way to win. I, I think that's that's worth noting because of, because of the opponent they played. You know what I mean? Like if you play a top 15 team and you get outplayed for much of it, but you still come away with win, I think that gives you a lot of confidence moving forward. Yeah, that's going to be our challenge. I mean, that's going to be our challenge as a team because, I mean, I think everybody saw that was a – Big emotional win, um, everything that goes with that, uh, you know, you got to put that in your rearview mirror. You know, everybody's patting you on the back and everything. You got to put that in your rearview mirror and you got to realize that we're playing a very quality opponent. And, uh, you know, our players turn on the film. They can tell these guys, they play their guts out, they play hard, uh, and they're talented. What makes you more excited than Coach One where you win in the last minute, seconds? Because you had a, a number of those, or one where you kind of execute full quarters and Tell you what, you you like both of those options, really. Um, You know, the good thing when you don't play your best and you make a lot of mistakes and you win 
it gives you a, a, a better chance for the coach to correct those things and everything that goes with it. So, you know, that'll be a, a good thing for us. Our guys, they see the film. We didn't execute like we should in, in a lot of things. Now, give the, give the other team credit. I mean, you know, they're, like I said, they're a quality, quality team. And, uh, but, you know, I like it when we go out there and execute, you know, at a high level. But, uh, you know, that win a game like that, a lot of times it's how you win. And, um, you know, with a freshman quarterback and a team that is down 16 or whatever we're down third quarter and find a way to come back and win, you can take that the rest of the season uh, in every scenario, every time you're down, every time you face adversity. That may be the biggest plus of anything, you know, moving forward. Just team dynamics, trusting each other, trusting coaches, coaches trusting players, vice versa, everything that goes with that. All right, Shane, so Gus Malzahn, they've got to find a way to get their mindset ready for this Tulane game. Otherwise, uh, all the progress they got from that Oregon win goes away pretty quickly if if somehow they get stunned here next weekend at home. Yeah, I mean, I talked about this on the last one. It's a lot like last year. When we pumped up this Washington win, you know, we oh boy, Auburn's back, baby. And then they dropped to LSU. You know what I'm saying? So they can't do that. They definitely can't do that the next week. Well, they got Tulane and then uh, Kent State or something like that. Yep. And then they yep. go into SEC play so, with Texas A&M. Just imagine going in that Texas A&M. I, again, we don't know what Oregon is yet. Well, I mean, we're, we're judging it on Auburn, and we still really don't know what Auburn is. Mm-hmm. So let's take that game out for a second. They run through Tulane. They run through Kent State. Man, that – I mean, they got the, they done crown this kid. He's on Scott Van Pelt and everything, you know, talking about. Right, right. He's the damn Heisman candidate already just because he won one game. So I don't I don't want to do that. I want to tamper expectations. Let's see what they can do. Do Take care of business on these teams. Work on those little mistakes. Work on your team chemistry. And then when you got Texas A&M, you, you, you'll be ready. But if these guys just think their shit don't stink, then they're going to get punched in the mouth when they get into SEC play yeah particularly when they go on the road chain because there's a true freshman Bo Nix you know obviously he won him the game but he was not outstanding by any stretch through much much of that game not that that matters he made the play when it when they needed it but when he goes but but did he I mean honestly I thought the receiver made a hell of a play too you know Uh well yeah I mean I give them both credit but (laughs) I I certainly (laughs) give Bo Nix credit for making the throw but how is he gonna? How's he gonna be affected by Kyle Field? How's he gonna mm-hmm. be affected by the swamp? Uh, there's gonna come a time where he doesn't have a good game at all, just like Jake Fromm is true freshman year, and they lost at Auburn. So that's something uh, they need to get. Uh, he, he seems very level-headed. I'm not suggesting that he's not, but they just they need to temper that, especially I think. Oh yeah, you know what game I'm really looking forward to on the, like talking about Auburn mm-hmm. is that defensive front against Georgia's offensive front. I mean, you want to talk about a battle of titans, man? Mm-hmm. That's probably like the two best out of that position. So that'd be a hell of a game. Well, Shane's already fired up for no some November football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always looking ahead, Mike. All right, Shane. Let's jump to the other Columbia, Columbia, Missouri. Am I- Barry Odom met with the media here on Tuesday, Shane, and he owned up to the fact that, you know, all this stuff he was selling about his team, 
it seems like he just really misread how they would handle adversity. Uh, they did not handle it as well as expected here in the opener against Wyoming. And I mean, we are we obviously know that, but it was kind of interesting to hear Barry Odom's thoughts on that. So let's cut to what Barry Odom had to say here. Yeah, you look at, you know, 18 to 17 to 23-year-old guys that, uh, you know, you think you've got uh, some things figured out with the pulse on how they're going to react. You know, I mentioned, I think, standing here last week, you know, the unknowns on game one, I thought I had a pretty good feel on kind of how we would respond in some of those situations, and, and I was wrong. We didn't respond very well. Um, but it's a, an opportunity for us to teach from it and know, and I hate that we lost the game. I hate it more than anybody. It's awful. Uh, but you, know, you you always are in a position to, to use those experiences and moving forward on how you're going to respond again. And, uh, you know, so there's there's been some um, open dialogue and conversation about what we need to do and how we're going to do it and the level of, of uh, grit and toughness that it takes to, to go get it done. Because we'll be in that situation again, um, you know, probably this week. All right, Shane, so... I mean, I think he's right here because going back and watching this game, Missouri really outplayed Wyoming for much of it. Yes, they had some poor tackling, but just some stupid interceptions by Kelly Bryant. Some A fumble that was returned about 80 yards was, was just huge in this game. If Missouri doesn't make these mistakes or if they, you know, the first time they make a mistake, if they handle it better, I think they would have really whipped my Wyoming, but obviously that doesn't count for anything. They lost the game, mm-hmm. and now Barry Odom, he's tasked with uh, really getting this team's resolve back up to where it should be. Uh, what were your thoughts on hearing Barry Odom be this brutally honest here? I don't think they were ready for adversity, man. And I don't know if that's because they're reading press clippings or listening to that SEC podcast and Shane pumping them up this entire time, you know, and that cupcake schedule they had to start the season. Maybe they just weren't prepared for something bad to happen. And when it did, they just didn't know how to react because they've been told for the last three weeks how great they're going to be. Yeah. I mean, some people ain't no. I mean, that every a lot of people pointing to that Georgia game in November. That's, that's going to be their first test. Yeah. It really seemed like they kind of, fell into that a little bit here and mm-hmm. losing the first game. Who knows, Shane? It may be good for – a loss is never really good, but maybe it kind of grounded them a bit. You know what? Yeah, or maybe they had to start studying for their own test and, you know, a little less on the playbook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too soon. <laughs> well, Shane, if that didn't ground them, I know what will, Shane. Barry Odom's handing out trading cards here. <laughs> Oh my God! This had to be Dooley's idea. Um, even we got we got fancy cards make up takeaways equal victory, and everybody's carrying one. Or uh, you know, so there's a number of things that we're trying to get done to emphasize it. Uh, but then you've got to go execute it, and when you get the opportunity, you got to go take advantage of it. All right, Shade. So the the audio does not do this justice. He we are not making this up. He's legitimately handing out. It looks like business cards with the little s- slogan here on it. And that's all it is. These are tiny little cards. Everybody's carrying around the building, apparently. That's going to fix the program here. Uh, what in the hell is going on here with Barry Odom's idea, Shane? Dude, could you just see him? All the coaches sitting in a room saying, we got to do something, guys. 
And Dooley raised his hand. I got an idea, you know. And then he says, you know what? Let's try it. Let's let's make these business cards. They're going to love it, you know. And so they hand out these business, you know, Dooley's there at the printer. He goes, oh, this is such a great idea. You know, I, they're going to love this. This is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my, I mean, who carries business cards with them anymore? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man, I'm I just don't know about this one, Shay. This is making me, this is the first time I really, even losing to Wyoming, I did not take a step back and say, you know, this, I was really wrong about Missouri. But this, these business cards, they got me second guessing my thoughts on the Tigers they, here. They may have made this decision in the high altitude, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded better when they were closer to the sun. <laughs> All right, Shay, final team update here I got. Let's jump on down to Tennessee. Juwan Jennings met with the media here on Tuesday, Shay. You know, there was some talk. You even mentioned it on the last podcast of this Tennessee team not having leadership. It certainly sounds like Juwan Jennings is a leader on this team, and he's uh, ready to step up and and not let these guys kind of uh, just let the season basically come out from under him. I didn't sign up for a one-game fight, you know, this uh, 12-game fight. That's what we're going to come in and do each and every week from here on out. That's all we got to do is prepare and um, just focus on one game at a time. I am the leader, so we're going to get this right. I'm not worried about anything else um, other than this team and um, what we got going here because it's a great program and great people here and a lot of people here with talent that are ready to go out and, you know, execute, and we're going to get that done. All right, Shane, so as a resident Tennessee homer here, what's your thoughts on uh, Juwan Jennings stepping up and just kind of, you know, I, th- I thought these were some pretty bold comments he made. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Juwan, it, it's sad that this on September, this came out, what, September 3rd? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took this long to finally get a little spark of energy from the University of Tennessee. You know, Pruitt didn't come out with it. You heard Muschamp owning it, saying, this is on us. We're going to fix this. We need to win. And, you know, our coach is like, I hope they are, you know, upset or whatever, because we are too. You know, I'm just like, I I wasn't getting anything from the staff. And it took Jawan Jennings to kind of get me roped back in to this BYU game, because at least I know in that locker room, there's one freaking person in there that, that is going to give their all for Tennessee. And hopefully it lots of fire under some of these young players, Trey Smith too, I'm sure, you know, because he's hell he's battled death, you know, to get mm-hmm. back on that field. <laughs> so I, I would think there's a few players. I'm hoping that uh, Batuli, is Batuli coming back, you know, another, another one on defense. Cause I think we do need a little leadership on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it does not sound like he's going to be able to go for here for BYU, but that's not yet been announced. Um, but going back, well, to... we don't we don't need him to play. We just need him to stand out there and yell at these people and get them pumped up. We played with eight people last week on defense. You know what I'm saying? I think we can do it with ten and just Batuli yelling at them. Well, getting back to Juwan Jennings, Shane, I do want to make this comment because I think you know just coming out and saying this that's one thing. But if there if you go back and watch that Georgia State game. You may never want to watch it again. I fully understand that. But the one player, if you had to pick one, that really showed up and really did perform in that game the the best, I thought it was Juwan Jennings. So I think that these words mean a lot more when it's a guy that's out there giving his all, that uh, you know could have went to the NFL, 
came back and now he he's really taken this leadership role so it just it just means more when it's coming from someone that's actually backing it up on the field yeah absolutely i mean because i i said it halfway through the game just keep feeding Juwan because it seems like not only was he open but when he caught the ball he was doing every scratching and clawing and getting doing everything he could to get that extra yard you know that's the kind of energy you wanted on the field and and it wasn't showing with the other players and last thing here on the Vols, real quick, Shane, they had the players-only meeting after the Georgia State game. I know we kind of uh, poked fun at LSU doing that last season before the season even started, but it <laughs> seemed to work for them. So maybe, yeah. maybe that gives you some hope that uh, Tennessee gets their shit together here uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Didn't Florida do this too? Didn't they have one of those last year and then end up winning 10 games? Yeah, I think after Kentucky, so – uh, maybe yeah, these, so. maybe more people should do this. South Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri, all of them, they should have done it before the season, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to remember coming out of fall camp and, and even high school, you got a coach telling you what to do all the time. But when you're in college, man, sometimes you gotta you gotta find the energy, you gotta find the emotion in yourself, and and when you it's when you have another player saying, "Hey, I'm putting in 110 percent," and you see it, and you're not giving your all, then it will it will elevate your game. So I love player only meeting. I hate that we had to have one after Georgia State, but <laughs> that's where we're at, you know. And I'd rather get it fixed now going into week two than I would week six or seven, you know. Oh, definitely, Shane. All right, so that's all I got on this one, Shane. You got anything before we hop off here? No, that's all I got, Mike. Uh, I've got a few reviews, but we're going to do that tomorrow. Uh, this one's we're running a little bit late this evening. But, uh, guys, it's game week. Well, you know, we got some good games coming on this weekend. I'm excited again for football, even though it was a rough weekend. I've snapped and cleared. I'm ready for football. Uh, appreciate all y'all hanging out with us, uh, especially the ones that took the time to give us some rating and reviews on iTunes. I tell you, those have really been taken off like like wildfire. And uh, also, I noticed a lot of, hey, you know, Mike, It's I appreciate everybody taking the time to give us the rating reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot. Uh, I did try the uh the unsubscribe subscribe thing i don't know if it worked but i did do it a couple of times so um you know little things like that really helps us out in the long way uh in the long oh my god mike shouldn't have drank so much <laughs> you should close this thing out i just love i love football i love hanging out with you guys i mean honestly uh this is this is the highlight of my day so uh that's all i got mike yeah definitely we appreciate all the support the outreach on Twitter, Reddit, all that, that's been great. The rating and reviews, that really helps us out. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Do that every day if you if you wouldn't mind. It just takes a moment of your time. Uh, but that's it for us. Uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Shane, for joining me. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.